0: So, you're going to need to figure out how to get people to work with you to get to where you're going to go. Yeah. Coaches are probably have the ability almost better than others. But again, if you're trying to be a lofty success, and even the coaches, you know, that are coaching some of the, the high school athletes, there's going to be an athlete that's going to get injured. Well, you know what? You as a coach probably need to figure out how to get some massage people or some physiotherapists as respected people that you can call on. Because then mm-hmm. you're going to get the athlete back into the pool sooner, et cetera, et cetera. So you're still going to need to work with other people, right? And yeah. obviously, you're going to need to work with the school boards to get the pools. And, you know, if we drill right down, you're still going to have people that you have to work with. So really, you got to learn to work with people. you gotta, you got to be motivated and a motivator, right?
1: Welcome I am so excited to be bringing you uh, a mentor of mine and uh, his name is Byron McDonald and he is in his 43rd year of, as a swim coach of uh, the university of Toronto swim team. And so he has won 58 conference championships, 24 national championships. He's had 70 swimmers go to international teams. He was a former elite athlete He's uh, coached world record holders, uh, coached medalists, and uh, has been named dozens and dozens of Coach of the Year awards. And we dug into all sorts of things. Yes, there was there's definitely a bunch of swimming talk here, and and the swimming talk was really linked to leadership. It was really linked to. Um, coaching, and how do we get the best out of our people? How do we create a great culture? Um, You know, how do we deal with setbacks? So I know you're going to love this. Byron is, is again, one of the best coaches in sport in Canada of the last 40 years. So really, really tough to get. He he is also a a commentator and commentated, you know, most of the um, large international Canadian championships and international games and commonwealth games uh, over the last number of decades as well so uh, i know you're going to really love this podcast and you know what i'm up to is finding amazing young leaders so if you know of some you know you can direct them to my email thompson at studentworks.com you can share our podcast you can send them to our website at studentworks.com thanks so much bye-bye so Byron, thank you very much for joining us on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast, and and uh, you know so excited to have you. Good to be here, Chris. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So so one thing that that I've always been interested in is is you had the opportunity to swim at Michigan, so one of the big big scholastic schools and really great athletic traditions, and obviously went well for you. You, you excelled, uh, you know, tremendously. How do you compare and contrast, you know, Canadian athletes swimming at big time? you know schools versus or or competing as athletes versus staying in canada
0: uh lots of different levels uh on that chris um the the number one big difference is there's there's much much less rah-rah if you want to call it that in canada right obviously most of it stems from football of course uh but so the the giant giant school rivalries are fueled by the football and and the basketball i suppose um Mm -hmm. and the tv contracts etc etc so so there's a little bit more bragging rights if you want to call it that right and there are many 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 schools that are into it full tilt um so for that reason the depth is is phenomenal so that if you let yourself slack a little bit Um, you're going to drop a lot, like you're going to be beaten by a lot of other people. And then, of course, then you don't help your school win. And, you know, it it all kind of fosters itself. So the two things that happen out of that, number one, because of all the big football and everything, there's a lot of money Mm -hmm. that's involved. And so there's a little extra, oh, I don't know, even just just things like facilities and everything like that. There might be extra along those kind of lines. And there's a little extra for the athletes in the terms of letting them register for classes first, these kind of things, right? Mm -hmm. But um, at the same time, what you've got at at home is that you've got the ability to be a obviously closer to home. Right. And good schooling, et cetera, et cetera. There are a few downsides to the big, huge U.S. model, which is you miss a workout. You could be kicked off the team and lose your scholarship. Right. Which is which is a pretty big thing. You're you're treated a little bit more like an employee there. Mm -hmm. As opposed to here tuition six thousand dollar seventh or whatever it's it's pretty reasonable right so you're swimming because you really want to swim or or play football or basketball whatever you choose so so there's a little bit more I think self-drive uh here yes. in, in canada the as I said that the depth isn't as much so there's a little bit less onus on having to do that extra little bit to, to win if you're not to, as self-motivated the coach can't motivate you as much um so there you can still succeed so so I think that's the big difference but there's there is an ability to get maybe a little bit more uh, attention and or slash focus on what your actual job or deal or, you know, goal is. For Mm -hmm. example, we had Kylie Moss, who uh, those in the swimming world would, would recognize the name. She won an Olympic bronze medal training at the University of Toronto. And, you know, she was courted by a bunch of American schools, maybe not all the big ones for the simple reason that she's really improved since she came to school. She was okay out of high school, pretty good, but not, well, not Olympic caliber, right? When she came out of high school and I would have been the first one to say that if there was an Olympics, it might've been 2024. I didn't think we could quite get her ready by 2020 in two years, but in two years, she went from 200th in the world to third. So that was pretty, pretty sensational. So you can succeed. There isn't, there just isn't as much, I guess, attention and uh, rah-rah attached to that. So.
1: And so one of the things that's always um, impacted me and, and, you know, the leaders listening on this program most of their focus is around business leadership or, or not and outside of athletic leadership. But one of the big things that always occurs to me is as an athlete having setbacks. And I know you are a world-class swimmer, you're a world-class coach. And so that means you win and you lose, or you get great placings, then you get, you know, not what you wanted. How have you learned to deal with those setbacks and then also coach your, your, your swimmers and athletes?
0: Uh, I mean that's, uh, that's a that's that's a
1: million dollar question.
0: Or, uh, you know, like it's it's that's the key, really, because everybody. Uh, you said it so perfectly, Chris. Everybody is going to have a fail. They're they're going to do yes. something where they they're not going to succeed, they're, or they're not going to attain the goal that they want. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and so I, personally, as an athlete, I had to to learn to deal with that. I mean, my my career my trajectory was pretty straightforward. I had a lot of pretty mm-hmm. good successes all the way through. the – me motivated and, and never really started out thinking I was going to be an Olympic level athlete, which may have helped. So it was never right, really okay. that extra pressure. It was just, hey, do real well and have fun. And and I suppose I got a little bit lucky because I was really small. And and right. it sounds like a, a contradiction in terms. But the beauty was that I I think I grew four or five inches in university. I mean, I was five foot four or something going into university, right? You know, I'm a, I'm a giant five foot nine now. But anyway, the point was... <laughs> there was still room for growth and so with growth you gain strength and you can improve Uh, and a lot of the guys that kicked my butt when i was 14 some of them were bloody well shaving right and and they were fully grown and they kind of plateaued and boy when you hit a plateau that's the tough part as an athlete and it's the tough part as a coach to try to get somebody to get through that and and you know you pull out all your bag of tricks and what you need to do so so basically my trajectory was pretty straightforward but i had one major major down downfall after you know going to the olympics and winning gold medals at commonwealth games and all that i decided to go for a few more years and try for the 76th olympic team yeah and i missed that one right and and i committed sort of the the major faux pas that an athlete shouldn't do and i changed coaches olympic year and what happens is athletes have a tendency and and you know people in the workforce or whatever necessarily are looking for something more than what they have and yet what they have is probably what got them to where they are yeah you know and so now it was a conscious decision on my part and i knew there was a very very high probability that it would fail okay. but i just felt i'd been to the olympics before and if it failed and i don't go fine but if it really worked if i had that 10 percent chance that it really worked then i might win a medal so i so i went in with my eyes open and it failed like it was supposed to but right but 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 i didn't feel bad about it because i actually i went out on a limb i took a risk And went to a coach that basically trained me into the ground and, and, you know, I I didn't recover in time for the Olympic trial. So, but I don't know if a athletes are willing to take that chance sometimes and B, if they do it without that in their mind and they just think, oh, this coach is the magic and it's going to work. It's a long process. Like you to get to know somebody to perform at the Olympic level, you need to be in that program for a few years. usually.
1: Yeah. And one thing that you pointed to as well, and is overtraining. And so it would be interesting to sort of hear your reflection. And again, this is on all athletes because, you know, or athletic endeavors. It seems to me like there was a period when you swam and I swam where there, there was this real overtraining. And oh, now there's a lot more science involved about yeah. exactly how do we get people to perform and so maybe you could share share some of that with with our our leaders and 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 again it goes also towards them working in their businesses they can't just go and work all the time because by yeah. the way that's also what I used to do in my business now it's like no I got to make sure I'm sleeping I got to make sure I'm you know preparing myself in the same way I I do as an athlete.
0: Yeah, you're going to get burnout in the in the workforce. You're going to get burnout as an athlete. It, it yeah. really is is, is similar, and, and and you do look and see what all the other the best in the field are doing. And unfortunately, you know, back in your day and in the '80s or whenever they,
1: yeah.
0: it was it was called train your. Training yourself into the ground, and, you know, and unfortunately the best coaches were doing it. So they were having the best results, but they would have had the best results probably if they weren't doing that. You know what I'm saying? Yes. They were the best coaches and they thought this was the answer. And so they were doing it. Well, then everybody else mimicked it. You know, I remember even going to, to my coach and saying, hey, I hear they're training doubles. They're going mornings, you know, at six o'clock in the morning. Shouldn't we do that? And he looked at me and he went, you must be nuts. (laughs) uh, I said, yeah, but you know, like we want to get better. Right. And he said, okay, well, the pool's open, bring a friend, don't drown. Right. He wasn't coming in, you know? So, so it was you know, at least I had the drive. Right. But yeah, yeah, they, it was overtraining, And, and of course now there is more science behind it. I think there's more science in, in everything, you know, people in the workforce realize if you're going to flog somebody a hundred hours a week, that's a pretty short term solution yeah that's success and and so now in swimming we're realizing the same thing that you do a little bit shorter training but you do it a very very high level close to what you're trying to get when you're racing right so there isn't a lot of wasted time which is not a right term but there isn't a lot of extra time put in you're focused on the actual if you want to go 50 seconds then you better be going you know break that up into smaller chunks then basically if you're going to go a 30 second race you better go close to 30 seconds and work out if you're going 40 seconds what are you accomplishing? You're not training the cardiovascular system. You're not training the neurological system. You're not really training the right thing. So yeah, there's a lot more specificity now, Mm -hmm. but the major change over the last years, which really doesn't apply to the workforce so much, but um, the major change now is that athletes are competing into their late twenties, as opposed to, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, there were teenagers in early twenties. So that has a whole different set of implications for overtraining they've got. There's a lot of money in the bank already. So you can call on that and be a little more specific. So uh, that's been a major change in in our industry.
1: Okay. Okay. And so, so um, you you obviously exited, you know, a, a really successful athletic career and pursued coaching. So what had you interested in pursuing coaching? Why Why has that been, uh, you know, a good call for you? Well, it, that's that's it was a great question. It's a great
0: question for the simple reason that my coach that I had when I was at, at Michigan came up and visited. I think it was my first or second year coaching. And we all sat around and and they uh, kind of said to Gus, I said, Gus, so what do you think about Byron coaching? He goes, I'm not so sure he wants to coach. Right. And I looked at him and I went, oh, my God, the guy knows me so well. Right. Because I wasn't I never planned to coach. I have a business degree. That's what I went to school. And okay. that's what I thought I was going to do. My dad worked with the biggest printing company in the U.S. And, and, and I thought that's where I was going. Right. And I but I love the sport so much that I thought, well, maybe I'll do a master's degree in, in recreation and, and, you know, take a few physiology courses, see what happens, see if I get excited by it. And I started to get excited about it and wasn't really sure what to do. And there was an opening at York University, just north of the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, they took me. Shocking. I had, I had no experience. And so uh, right. they, they took a gamble and, and then it worked. And then I, and I came down to U of T. And I absolutely love working with the young people of this world, right, and the young people yeah. that I have on the team. and motivating and everything and we can get into that a little bit more but that's sort of what it was a question of the right place at the right time and as a, as a i guess a follow up to your question earlier the advantages of staying in Canada versus going away to the states sometimes is you know had i not been in toronto and been able to talk to the people at the right place at the right time i would not have gotten the job that i got
1: right you know
0: and and i find that a lot of the a lot of the students that we have that go away they just lose contact with home, and it's tough to then all of a sudden get yourself back in, tough to sometimes get into a master's degree. There's, there's all those things that happen, and I was in the right place at the right time, and it even I was also in Toronto, so it allowed me to get into the broadcasting industry as well, right? And it's just being in the right place at the right time and setting the groundwork really allows you to get forward, which I think does apply to the workforce, general workforce. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think the other thing that definitely I, I saw, and I spent four years with you, and and beyond, like four years it's, it's in a really big way, and then beyond is, you, it's very apparent you love what you do. Very apparent you really enjoy the process, you know, and and so that makes it easy, right? You go into work and it fe- feels like play. It feels okay, great. Let's go get a great result, right? I'm getting, I, I'm getting paid to do my hobby. Right? Yes. <laughs> so,
0: I mean, I, you know, I won't, don't tell the university this, but I'd probably do it if they didn't pay me. Right. So, right. So, uh, uh, yeah, it is, it's, it's, uh, well, it's dynamic, Chris. Right. And, mm. and, uh, and I am my own boss, which, uh, you know, translates into you, to your work pretty well. Right. You've got a lot yeah. of, it, they're not independent contractors, but I mean, they run their, they run their little their crew. Right. Yes, and, absolutely. And, and that's, you know, I'm sure I have an athletic director and yes, I have to report, but you know what, I've got a lot of latitude to do what I need to do and what I feel is necessary to succeed and yeah. following obviously the rules and the regulations, et cetera.
1: Of course. Yeah.
0: And, uh, and I like that. I like that kind of freedom to, to be what I need to do and do what I need to do when I need to do it. So, uh, it's, it's, I don't know, self-empowering a bit, I guess. Right. And and then sure. I am dealing with, uh, you know, young, young adults that are very exciting to be around. I mean, they're just, they're just so energetic and enthusiastic and to see the joy on their face when they succeed is, uh, is yeah. quite, uh,
1: quite rewarding. Yeah, no, I feel this. I feel the same way. And, and so what about, how do you deal with the needs of coaching a team? Cause obviously you've done really well coaching teams, but then also, you know, these high performance athletes where sometimes they're part of the team, but sometimes, Hey, they've got different goals. They're yeah. going to go compete in the Olympics. or they're going to go, go compete internationally. How do, how do you deal with those sometimes maybe conflicting needs? Yeah. It, it
0: can be a challenge, but it's not always. And what I mean by that, Chris, is that, that, you know, when we set the team down, and you may remember this for just a few years ago when you were on the team, um, (laughs) you know, it's goal 1A and 1B, all right? 1A is to do your individual best and and what you're going to feel happy with your success. And 1B is that you're going to, that's going to help the team then succeed as well. So it isn't and 2, it's 1A and 1B, so that they're really Mm -hmm. almost identical goals, so that they're they're constantly made aware, if they're training on our team anyway, that they are part of the team. And yes, Mm -hmm. we are going to try to do the things that you know, we need to do to help you succeed as an individual butterfly swimmer, breaststroke swimmer, whatever it is. But that is then going to turn around and help the team succeed as well. Because, you know, and, and the, the beauty is what I'm trying to do is create an environment for success for these, these athletes. And, and there can be many different ways of getting success. It can be, you know, swimming your best time, of course, but it can be a lot of other things that you do properly as well. Because the problem is you're not always going to succeed. And, you know, right. there are going to be pitfalls and there are going to be times, you know, if the team goal is to win the national championship and we don't win, I don't want the season to be a failure in everybody's right. mind. We can, we can be upset that we didn't win even. Yeah. Excuse me. I mean, it was going to be a long shot and we were trying and, you know, it just didn't happen. But then you've still got your individual goals to fall back on and you might have other team goals. You might have a, a relay that you were on. So you're, I'm just trying to set up a lot of different goals with the overarching goal, obviously, being the team and, and the individual. And a little bit of it comes down to uh, I wouldn't call it uh, luck, because I think you make your own luck, you, you set yeah. yourself up for that. But you know, most of the elite athletes that I've had have been very team oriented. They they room with some of the other athletes, the other swimmers, and and they they really are the kind of people that that, that gel in a team, you know. Right. I, I have had and the term that we use for it is high maintenance. Yes. I've yeah. had one or two very high maintenance athletes, and the team was probably very secondary in their mind yeah but we i just it just meant that i had to work even harder in other words if i'm working 100 percent to give everybody attention and this person needs a little bit more well then i'm not giving everybody else 90 and this person 100 i'm going to give 110 so i've got a little extra but i'm still giving 100 to everybody else so and and you do need to do that because as much as it as that superstar yeah may take a little bit of extra attention a little bit whatever. We're in a sport where it's pretty cut and dry. There's not a lot mm-hmm. of subjectivity. I um, mean, in basketball. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the stopwatch is the stopwatch. <laughs>
0: yeah, you got it, right? You know, in, in basketball, you know, you could be double teamed or whatever and have a bad day and score 10 points. And normally you're the 40-point guy or something, right? Yeah. Or, or women. And in, in swimming, there's no subjectivity. It isn't, you know, the other guy in the other lane can't jump over and beat you up, right? <laughs> yeah, can't, exactly. Yeah. Can't block you from touching the wall. So you can pretty well know who the best people are. And yeah. because of that, you know, everybody likes winning. And so yeah. having a star, if they're just a little bit on the selfish side, um, still can help the team and everybody realizes that. And, you know, it's always nice to have somebody that's a winner. Way better when they're real close and they're buddies and everything, like the woman we have, Kylie Moss. Yeah. You know, the odd time I've got to fly away and go to a competition in Europe or something with her. But I have a fantastic assistant coach with me. And and this, yeah. works, this, this works really well in, in the business world. Like make yeah. sure you surround yourself with loyal,
1: with great people, yes. great
0: people, because, oh, my it just it I don't have any stress when I leave when I have to go out of yeah. town to a big meet or if I have her go out of town for a big meet. Mm-hmm. I know that everything's going to be fine. You know, yeah. and I just think that it's, you know, I think Lynn has now been working with me for 30 years. And I mean, yeah. just a, I know a, there's a real no, there's a real comfort level. And yeah. it's just I can't say it enough on 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 how if you're in the workforce at any level. If you can yeah. surround yourself with a really, really good, loyal person, yeah. um, it really works well.
1: Yeah, no, and, and I, you know, again, I spent four years with your teams and, and certainly I recall exactly what you're speaking of. People who were just really, really great and, you know, just a little, little separate and then really, really great and just the, the glue of the team. And the the, the the truth is is though the people who can get the best results are gonna help the team win. Simple as that. And 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 so I get what you're saying. And so how important is that team dynamic though? If you reverse it out and you sort of say, how important is that team dynamic actually to create great results? I think it's 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 really, really important because mm-hmm.
0: if you have a bunch of individuals, then if something goes wrong, they're gonna bail. All right. right. Where if if you if you've been able to instill a team culture and something goes wrong, they're gonna try to figure out a way to get out of that hole and succeed so that they can help the team. Yeah. Right. Like in other words, if if Susan's having a bad competition, it might be like, well, I'm 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 toast. I've missed my taper. Yeah. I missed my preparation. Whatever it is, and just sort of like wipe it out and that's it. But because the team still needs to Susan person to perform, they're going to still try hard, even though they're really not achieving their goals, but they're not yeah. going to give up. Right. And yeah. so if they feel like they're part of something bigger, then it'll, it'll, it'll really help actually performance. It'll elevate performance. And I just think that's, I mean, that's the whole beauty of team, you know, I mean, that's yeah. why the, that's why the geese fly South in a big V, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Know, like exactly. everybody, everybody, you're going to, yeah. you're going to, they're going to make it right. Whereas if one, one or two geese decided to fly by themselves, they probably aren't gonna make it, you know. And so yeah. there's a real there's a real ability if you if you can do it. There are some there are some teams that are disjointed and, and not great. I've had better teams and worse teams. I've never had awful yeah. ones, but you know there's some yeah. that are really tight. And the yeah. interesting part is because you're going through this together, you end up making some really good bonds and friendships. You know, like there are some guys, well some of your teammates are still yeah. your buddies, right? And yeah. And I've got buddies now, there's five of them that all live within, I think, about six blocks of each other on the beaches, you know, in Toronto, right? I mean, yeah. that wasn't planned, you know, 20 years ago when they were going to school. <laughs> but all, they just maintain their friendships and, you know, life gets busy. They have kids and everything. Of so it's not yeah. like university where you, hey, let's go out and get a pizza together every night. You yeah. know, like, yeah. but, but they do still have a great friendship. And I think that's a real silver lining on this thing
1: yeah, no, I think you're right. and and I think again, you know we we basically run a team, you know, in an individual culture similarly yeah, and yeah, and yeah. I, and again, there's no question that it's 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 I've taken the the dynamics that I saw fostered by you, you know, uh, and and just it's. It's like if you're not performing as well, also people are gonna go and help you perform better, go and you know, and and be there for you as well if you're not performing as well, right? Yeah. You know, and 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 see you, you know, I know as your higher self, you know, that sort of thing. There's no, there's no question. And I remember one year I missed a taper. I think it was my first year and you were getting used to, you know, what it was like to get me prepared. And I remember I saw everyone else swim really well. And you came up to me and said, no, Chris, don't worry. I just missed it. We'll get it right next next time. Don't, you know, just totally trust me. We got this. And again, because the whole team had had great results and it was like you were so confident i remember when you said that and i was really disappointed but you were so confident and the reality is hey three years afterwards i swim really really well yep. you know at, you know at the end of each season so
0: well and that goes way back to the beginning when we were talking about you know me changing a coach or whatever right there's there's a learning process like not everybody's the same yes. right and so yes. that first year coaching someone like yourself it didn't quite work you know you're really you're a pretty strong guy when you swam, right? Yeah. You know, and yeah. I think, You know, we need a little bit more rest for you, right? That's more that. rest, that's, yeah. So, you know, for, for our viewers, a taper is what we do in, in the sport of swimming, and I always use it as a compare, uh, basically, a, a spring. And what we try to do is push that spring down and push that spring down, but you got to know when to let that spring go if you want to get that big, huge bounce back, and that's sort of what we do at the big, the, the end of the season competition. And and if you let it go too soon, then it may not go as high as it could, but if you keep pushing that spring down, sometimes you let go and it just goes, you get, you get nothing. Right. So it's a, you know, it's the art of coaching and all that other kind of stuff. Right. So,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, you need to do that. The the one thing that I think your bosses and and your team leaders, I'm not sure what the term you use for them.
1: Coaches. Yeah.
0: Coaches. All right. Is, is that, you know, that I instill in my athletes is that, you know, I can't swim the race for you you know, like, yes, I'm going to prepare you. We're going to do everything. We're going to rehearse. We're going to do all these other things. Right. But it really is up to you. Right. You're in charge, you know, and you're in charge of you and your guys are in charge of their team and they're and they're arguably in charge of themselves, making sure it all works. Right. So for sure. So they have to want to do it. And and if they're just doing it for for me, they're not going to get as much out of it. Right. And if if your employees are only doing it for you, meaning they're afraid of getting fired,
1: right? I yeah, don't think they
0: yeah. enjoy it either, right? You know, so totally there's gotta be a buy-in and they've gotta kind of feel they're a part of it, I think. So
1: so when you think about the best athletes you've had, you've you've coached over 70 swimmers to international teams. What what sets those athletes apart?
0: Oh, another million dollar question. I mean, before you as much as, you know, I don't like to say that this is the first part, but, but, you know, there is a certain level of talent, God-given talent. There is no question. I mean, there are tremendous amounts of kids with great talent that have gone nowhere. All right. So talent uh, is certainly not, not the number one ingredient, but it is a a very important ingredient. No question about it. You can make some athletes into pretty good athletes, world-class possibly, but if they've got the talent to start with, then it's a little bit easier to get them to that high level, right? And once you can sort of have the great, you know, they need good um, coaching when they were young. So technique yeah. is a critical part. I just call that part of talent. Like you either have the ability to learn your technique and do it properly or you don't. Right. And if so, you've been schooled and educated properly with your talent and how you approach things. Then after that, it really is confidence. It really mm. is confidence is a big, big part of it. And, and when the athlete steps on the block to race, they have to feel confident in the work that they've done and they have mm-hmm. to feel confident in themselves that they've learned enough that they're going to be able to, 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 go forward. So, you know, I just went over to a big competition in Europe in the fall. It was very interesting. We had to be bubbled and everything because of yeah. COVID. I mean, it was a very unique situation, right? And a couple of the U of T swimmers went over with me and Kylie is just so confident behind the blocks. Yeah. She doesn't. She doesn't talk, to anybody and say, oh, I feel I'm going to win. You know, you never hear yeah. that from the best ones. Actually, you probably don't hear it that very often. Right. Yeah. But they just watch them go to the block and you just see that confidence. Like they're going to take care of business. They're going to make yeah. this happen. Right. And nine times out of 10, they do that. So I, I think confidence is a really, really big, uh, is a really big deal. And, and as a coach, you've got to figure out how to get them that confidence. You know, so rehearsals right. and, and in training, doing things that will show them like, Hey, you are in condition, you are ready to go you've done this before. And then sitting down and talking about, you know, that meet last summer, well, this is what you did. And and that's how good you were. And, you know, so I think I missed that as an athlete personally.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Coaches that I had basically said, get in there and go, (laughs) you know, and I was like, you know, there wasn't a lot of sports psych or anything going on back then. Right. You know, and I, and I think I needed a little bit of, you know pop, pop pumping me up or whatever right For sure. um, to make yeah. me believe in myself and I think somebody was mentioning that he, he watched the I think it was one of the big tennis matches or whatever I mean you're talking the you know I don't know which uh, I think it was uh, Serena Williams or one of them I can't remember one of the big superstars right on the men's and the women's side actually right and they were able to mic I think the coach and as they were walking into the stadium or whatever it was all the coach was doing was saying you're going to be great you own this you're going to be and I'm going Really, she doesn't know that. <laughs> yeah. know, like, like, she's the most successful tennis player in the history of the world, almost, right? Right? And her coach has given her a pump up before she walks into the stadium. and And yeah. so, you know, my, as as everybody needs their their tires pumped a little bit, you know, and uh, I mean, I, the the adage that I do use though, is that you do need to do that. You need to get people to believe in themselves. But if you pump up a tire too much, it bursts. <laughs> For
1: sure, so you, yes. you can't.
0: You can't. It can't be, in essence, bullshit. You know, there's got to be merit yes. behind it. There's got to be truth behind it, and you can't go to the well every day. You know, you got to use it when you need to do it. So
1: yeah, well, I remember as well. Like one key thing is. You know, and and I recall you telling me this is, hey, you've done the work, and maybe yeah. it was to the entire team, but you've done the work. Think about training camp. Think about all the work you put in, yeah. and so it's. And there is something to fanness of coaches. I, yeah, I'm a fan of yours, right? And and so as a coach. Having others feel that way, uh, and that builds confidence. so for our leaders here, you know, thinking about fanness, how do I become a fan of my key key members of my team? Yeah. you know how do I really infuse confidence for them and and point to you've done this type of work before, you've sold this type of work or whatever whatever they need to do it's it's all similar you know and, and it's actually one of the things that's fascinating, like you know, and yes, I have many swimming friends who are really still close buddies and and if you look. So many athletes do well, and I know there's this dumb jock thing that a lot of times is, is in our milieu, but in fact, I think it's the opposite. I think most yeah. athletes have really, really successful business careers and careers. Yeah. Why do you think that is, based on what you've seen? I think that the
0: simplest answer is that athletes are used to long-range prep. They're used to a long-range goal, right? Right. They're used to not getting immediate success.
1: Yeah.
0: And because of that, they're willing to go into a business and go, if we do all this, we're going to be doing this for months and months and maybe years. But there is a, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow here. And that's exactly what being a swimmer, maybe not quite as much for basketball and football because there's games every week. That, but there are highs and lows yep. to that. And there still is yep. maybe making the playoffs Preparing for better. the playoffs. Yeah, yep. a longer term goal if you can get there. Right. But in our sport, it's really all about preparing for eight months for one competition. Right. I mean, it's right. uh, bit weird that way but that's that's the way it is and so i think that that the athletes know that what they're doing today is really just a step Mm -hmm. in what they're going to be able to achieve long term and and i just think that that's so valuable in the business world because there's a lot of roadblocks you know and there's a lot of headaches and hassles and and if you wanted success in one week or two weeks or a month you're going to be pretty damn frustrated but if you know there's going to be those and you live through those as an athlete you're going to be fine going down the yeah. road, right? You're going to be able to sort of suck it up and know what you got to do, and, and learn from it and get better. And, mm-hmm. and I think what I've noticed, and this is a this is a very unscientific analysis, Chris. All right, I'm going to get <laughs> to it right here. Okay, what I've noticed very interestingly, and is that the guys that are in the team sports, guys and women, all right, basketball, you know, football, ice hockey, whatever. I think they have a, a, their team dynamic is even more stringent than it is in, say, a track or a swimming. In track or swimming, we have the team dynamic, but there's still right. a little bit more of an individual component. You Got can it. still succeed as a swimmer if Charlie next to you isn't working as hard as he should. You're still going to try yes. to bump him up to help the team and everything, but you can still have a hell of a season, right? Yeah. Whereas I compare it to football, if you're the running back and Charlie and Bob are your blockers and they're lazy and they're out of shape and they can't block,
1: it's not going like, to work. I have
0: a very good season. All right? <laughs> okay, <bet. laughs> So you're going to have to learn how to motivate those guys to do better. Right. Even more so than maybe in an individual sport. It happens in individual sports as well. Guys are training against one another and say, Hey, come on, pick it up. Let's go. Let's go. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's almost even more critical in a team sport that you try to bump up your other guys. And I find that, that because those athletes are used to doing that, they gravitate to big companies. Insurance companies, banks, you know, law firm, whatever, big law firms, whatever, right? And I find that that swimmers, because they can control their own destiny, end up as lawyers, doctors, you know, teachers, where they can be their own boss to a point, you know. Yeah. And yes, they still are operating in a hospital or whatever it is, yeah. or in a school, but they do have a little bit more individual control over what they're trying to do. So who knows? Maybe it started when they choose chose their sport when they were ten years old, right? But right. you know, it's yeah. their personality and it fits that kind of milieu. So uh, so it kind
1: of works. And so I know, in terms, one question I've had, and this is just my question, so so I'm not so sure all our leaders will be interesting, but I know they'll, you know, be okay with me asking it. Is I saw the lockdown last March and, you know, no swimmers swimming. And, and for me, it's like, that just seemed like such an enormous impact on all these athletes and the impact on their future times and their future world records. And, you know, how, how is that likely going to play out? Will there be a, a, you know, and obviously the impact of COVID has been monstrous trillions of dollars and lost jobs, et cetera. But how, how is that? How, how do you think that's playing out in the swimming world? Well, not, not, it hasn't been great uh, to be here yeah. once. But, okay. um, yeah,
0: and uh, the problem is that if it was the same everywhere across the world, then there would be no there would be no impact, and the terms of everybody would be in the same playing field. When you get involved in sport, particularly elite sport, there's never such thing as a, a level playing field. Obviously, obviously, drugs is a real big problem, right? That yeah, really quickly, right? But you know, our sport does have it, but it's not as rampant. Maybe as some other sports, right. But the, the, the COVID, the problem with the, the the COVID pandemic was that Canada's response, and I would say Britain's probably, were two of the most stringent in terms yeah. of lockdowns and everything. Yeah, I mean, way back when, when it first started, Italy just, I mean, you couldn't even go out of your house, I don't think, without a note or the yes. police arrested you, right? But it lasted only a couple months, you know? We've been in and out of this thing now for 12 months. So, I've, right. I've, you know, I've got an elite athlete and a bunch of the other elite athletes. I mean, they were out of the water for 14, 14 weeks. That's longer than any other elite athlete in the entire world. All right. So will this play havoc? And it would have played havoc for sure if the Olympics would have been last summer.
1: Um, Now
0: we have been given permission for the elite athletes, not the other athletes in the country or the swimmers in the country, but just the elite ones to get back in the water as of sort of, I think it was July or August. Right. So they have been in the water now most of the fall. But again, we're making up for a lot of lost time. You know, and and a lot of lost momentum, and you know, mm-hmm. Canada was coming off a phenomenal 2016 Olympics, 2018, yes, we Commonwealth, yeah. 2019 World Championship. I mean, there was a phenomenal momentum, and it's come to a screeching halt. You know, yeah. and and so uh, these athletes are going to give it one hell of a go at the Olympics. It sounds like we're going to have an Olympics, um, yeah, yeah, this coming uh, this coming summer, but the deck is stacked a little bit against them. Yeah. because the rest of the world has been training full tilt, basically without, with almost out of blink, without missing a day hardly, right? So or a day or two, right? So, so that's going to make it a little bit tough. And you also, as an athlete, you know, I mean, in the business world, you can't not do a deal, or you can't not, you know, take on a job for 12 months and then come back and think you're going to do a, you know, knock it out oh, of the park on your definitely. first one, right? Yeah. And so we did a we did a, a meet on on Saturday, a couple of days ago. It was our first one in almost 12 months. Wow. It was, it was, I'm stunned actually they did as well as they did to be honest. Right. So, you know, teaching old dog new tricks. I don't know. You don't don't have, you know, you learn to ride a bike. You can always ride a bike. I don't know. Right. Right. But, um, it was such a relief to be able to get in and do that, that competition, you know? And so now we can start building on that. Building from it. Yeah. I mean, you you know, you know, as, as when you're, when you're thrown roadblocks, you got to figure out how to, how to get around it somehow. Right. And make it work. So. Kylie's from Windsor, and uh, her parents have a pool in their backyard. Now, it's mm-hmm. not an Olympic-sized pool. It's it's oh, 10 course. meters, all right? Yeah. Okay. It's not your typical backyard little pool. Yeah. And I asked the family to fill it up in the end of March. You know, normally, they fill it up on Victoria Long Weekend, right, for the summer. Yeah. And I said, please fill it up, heat it up, and we're going to get Kylie in there every single day. You know. Awesome. And okay. so we did that. I'd, I'd commute to Windsor right everyone every every once in a while to try it and we hook up a tether i mean this is a little too specific for your viewers but you know we hook up a tether so that she would swim in one place or she just make it almost 10 meters and then she'd have to come back right and and she'd go a half an hour to an hour which is you know obviously less than normal but it was better than nothing
1: yeah And,
0: and you know you get creative and you go okay what can we accomplish here and her kick isn't quite as good as some of the other athletes in the world she's better with the upper body strength in her arms. So, you know what, we did a lot of kicking there and her kick is actually now better. So, you know, we got a little bit of, we got a little bit of a bonus out of it. Right. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. and you just keep working on those things. So uh, I just think that's what, when you got a roadblock, you got to be, you, you kind of got to be creative and do what you got to do. Now for a majority of our athletes, they don't have that option. A, right? They didn't have a pool yeah. in the backyard and, yeah. and B they may have had a job or something else. Right. So they weren't going to do that.
1: Yeah.
0: But for some of them, the, uh, Canada has another world champion. She's out of London, Ontario, and she did the same thing, right? They happen to have a little mini mini pool in her backyard, and she just hooked up a tether and did some stuff. And then you do a—you set up a whole bunch of dry land training in your garage, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Call Amazon and get a whole bunch of stuff delivered. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Do what you got to do. And what what I think is insightful and also transferable is, like you said, don't whine in the soup. It's okay, what are we going to do? What's the next action yeah. step? Okay, everybody's got that, got it. it, it and, and again, there's all sorts of things in Canada we have better than in other places. So, you know, let's we don't think of those that often. So let's just, okay, what can we do? So one big thing that I know you've had in your life is as a TV commentator, two Gemini Awards and and announced all sorts of international competitions. What's that brought to your life? And what 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 have you gotten from that? Well, the T the, the TV media industry is is uh, it's it's like maybe
0: maybe I don't know if it's like no other, but it's it's immediate and it's thrilling and and it's uh, phenomenally pressure packed and nerve wracking. Just because there are you make a mistake at work and a few people notice. Yeah, you make a mistake on TV and and a million people notice or ten million people, right? You know, and and so uh, so, but more importantly, I'm I. You know, you're striving for perfection. At least I am, and I think many people are striving for perfection in whatever they're doing, right? And you're not going to be perfect, but I mean, you're striving for a pretty high level. And so I, I study inordinate numbers of hours um, before I get to the competition, so that I know the athletes so well that I and the and the and the viewers like you at home and everybody else. They don't just want to see the race go up and down. They want to know who that person is that's behind yeah. lane number two. And yeah. so I, I try like hell to find out enough stuff that I can, that I can then say, and you know, Susan from Belarus, you know, uh, broke her leg when she was seven and the doctor said she should learn to swim, you know, or just yeah. a little yeah. insight if I can. And then of course, when the race is going on, say, so look, anticipate over in lane six, this person likes to do this and, you know, yeah. watch them at the end of the race and da 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 da. right. So. So I'm trying to get it to the viewers to sell my sport of swimming so that they really enjoy the coverage and they're excited about it and maybe they'll put their children into the sport and it'll help grow the yep. sport and they'll support yep. the ones that we do have in the sport. Yep. So I'm trying to sell the sport of swimming and uh, there are phenomenally brilliant people at CBC that I work with, you know, the producers and all that. And, uh you know, it's 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 amazing. I mean, it really yeah. is an incredible an incredible situation, and I and I love doing it. So uh, so yeah. So it's been a, it's been a joy. I think I've done eight Olympics now and oodles of other competitions. So yeah, it's it's uh, very cool.
1: Well, my 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 upfront and personal on that was nineteen eighty six Commonwealth Games. I was traveling through Europe and I went to Edinburgh. And I paid for the cheapest seat, and then came and sat with Byron, and uh, we got b- the behind the scenes because Byron knows way more than he says on TV. But oh, this girl isn't swimming well because so and so did this, and it's not so good. And uh, yeah, she's she's not feeling so good, you know. So all yep. the all the different all the different stories that they came up, and and uh, but it was it was it was so awesome to to see uh, you know an international competition from you know right at right at, right at the doorstep so yeah
0: no it's 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 it, i mean you know covering lots of sports is exciting right and obviously yeah the Olympics, oh for sure olympus is, is is more exciting than than the, the Collingwood invitational okay all yes. right you know all right <laughs> a little bit more on the line it is right? it may not be it more is. exciting for the 10-year-old that's swimming in the meet in Collingwood, right but uh you know when you're talking about the absolute best in the world and everything it gets uh it's 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 pretty exciting right And the uh, what people don't understand is there are myriads of people, you know, like the the sound engineer that's standing just off to my right, that's making sure that the sound actually goes to where it's supposed to go. Right. Unheralded unknown, but you know there are a lot of very, very good people supporting you. And and in any endeavor in your business and many businesses, it ain't just one guy, you know, like there's a bunch of people that are supporting you to, to make you better. And, and you always hear stories about the prima donna announcers that, you know, yeah. look down and spit on all the people around them right and i'm and i'm sure there are some of those and i've seen the odd one but not very many but yeah you know more, the people that i work with at cbc everybody up and down the, the the groups um were very supportive of each other and and appreciative of the great work that everybody's putting into it and and it's one of those things because it's so special chris that you know what you're working a 20-hour day Yeah, because it's so intense, you know, because it's only it's a 17 day Olympics and then it's over for four years. Well, I guess two years for everybody else because they will go to the Winter Olympics. I don't do the Winter Olympics. right? Yeah, no swimming there. But um, so, you know, we were talking about burnout and all that. Well, there comes a time when you know what? You do have to make a sacrifice and you do have to work a ridiculous amount of hours. You couldn't keep that up for 10 months. Yes. But in the short term, and I'm sure your guys, if they're trying to finish a house or whatever, Yep. you know what guys we got to suck it up we got to do a little bit more here we got to do a little yeah. above and beyond because that's what it's going to take to do this the right way and, and so that's what happens when you're overseas doing that and even the coaches you know the coaches like it's a long day when you're there early in the morning warming people up getting them back talking to them getting ready yeah. going back commuting back and forth maybe you have a media thing you got to go to at the end yeah. of the evening right like it's it's 16 hour days you know it's huge yeah. but you could talk to every single coach that's over there and every single person that's over there with CBC doing the television and they wouldn't trade it. You know, mm-hmm. it's pretty, pretty special, right? Now pretty it does, does it does it translate into your day-to-day work at home? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But it means that if you if you need to do something extraordinary though to make things move forward, you get it. Right. You know, and it's not, sorry, not my job.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: yeah. like, you know, that's the that's the worst. That's a bad situation if you get into that kind of stuff. Right. Well, that's not my job. Right. You know, I can't do that. No, no, they're not paying me to stay an extra half hour to work with this athlete. Right. You know, and <laughs> I've seen I've seen coaches and I've seen people in jobs that, that do that. Yeah, And Frustrating for everybody involved. Yeah. You know, it's frustrating the person asking. It's frustrating for the people that are hiring because yeah. they kind of want somebody to really take the ball and run with it. So, yeah, you, know, you need people that you need to be able to buy in.
1: And it's, as you mentioned, it's the above and beyond and, and great performers. That's what they all have. Right. And that's what, that's what you have. And one of the things I really wanted to point to for our leaders listening is something that you said, it's, it's, it's like just a real recognition. You didn't have to bring up and you know, these people who are at CBC aren't going to be listening to this small podcast. You are just all about the team because, and, and you are because they deserve it but so many people aren't because they're in their head and, and that, that actually it's the entire team that makes everything work. Right. It's just, you know, we've got a mic right now, so people could be looking at us, but no, 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 we know it's all these people who make everything work so well. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you, yeah. I mean, nobody's an Island sounds
0: too simplistic to say that, but,
1: but, but yeah, yeah. it's just a recognition and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's bringing it. So thank you. And, and so, if someone wanted to do what you do, and what I mean by that is be a real kick ass leader in the world, what key habits would they want to s- steal from you? Well, number one is is
0: kind of focus on the goal. Um you've got to you yeah. gotta, you know, it's the old adage that if you if if you don't know where you're going, you're not gonna know when you get there. Right. right. So yeah. uh, you got you know, I'm paraphrasing it, but um yeah. no, you know, sure. so you gotta you kinda gotta know what what you're trying to get get accomplished, right? And and then I think the other I mean, you got to have a, you do have to have a great work ethic. I mean, you yes. know, lazy, lazy people don't succeed. Yeah. You do have to have a great work ethic and, and you've got to be a good motivator. Cause there's very, very few jobs in this world. You know, I, even a, you know, a race car driver looks like he's the only guy in the car, but I'm telling you, you know, the mechanics are pretty damn important. Right. So, uh, the money guys, <laughs> yeah. The very few jobs that I can think of where you can basically do it all by yourself you know? And uh, so you're going to need to figure out how to get people to work with you to get to where you're going to go. Yeah. Coaches are probably have the ability almost better than others. But again, if you're trying to be a lofty success and even the coaches, you know, that are coaching some of the the high school athletes, there's going to be an athlete that's going to get injured. Well, you know what you as a coach probably need to figure out how to get some massage people or some physiotherapists as respected people that you can call on. Because then you're mm-hmm. gonna get the athlete back into the pool sooner, et cetera, et cetera. So you're still gonna to need to work with other people, right? And yeah, obviously you're gonna to need to work with the school boards to get the pools. And you know, if we drill right down, you're still gonna have people that you have to work with. So really you gotta to learn to work with people, you gotta you gotta be motivated and a motivator,
1: right? So absolutely. And what you know, and again, just to speak, you know, one of the things as well is, you know, to for me, Byron, again, and having known you, you know, four years. You know, workout after workout, meet after meet after meet. You just show up every day. You are always on time. You just, you know, high level integrity, high level of of purpose. And 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 again, for our leaders, that's what you want your team feeling, your team members. I was again, I was a I was a player on uh, or, or swimmer on on Byron's teams, and I saw Byron showing up every day. That's as as you, uh, you know, the the coach yeah. of your team. You want people going, oh yeah. David's gonna be there, Samantha's gonna be there, you know, tuned up, ready to go, you know, leading the way.
0: Well, and that's an yeah, that it's an interesting point. And I mean, maybe, you know, that may be a little bit of you know,
1: upbringing where, you know,
0: you committed to something, you're committed to something. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm into this. Well, lock, stock, and barrel. If I I feel if I'm not there, how can I ask them to be there? You know, For sure. like, yeah. you know, this is my job, I'm getting paid to do this. You know, they I should be there. And I mean, I wanna be there, right? And Course. you know, and, and it's like, you know, talking with assistant coach, my assistant coach Linda, right? She said her worst night's sleep every week is usually Sunday night because, you know, we don't have training on Sunday, so we get to sleep in. And she's afraid that starting the week off again with morning workout at 630 that she's going to oversleep her alarm and miss the workout. Yeah. I yeah. mean, she literally doesn't sleep all, well all night because she's so afraid she's going to miss a workout. I mean, yeah. we have 10 workouts a week times 30 weeks, 300, 400, whatever, 400 workouts. You miss one workout, it probably wouldn't matter. Right. And yet we feel both so responsible that we need to be there. And so your statement of, you know, when you walk on the pool deck as an athlete, the coach better be there. And they, you know, the coach, the the athletes better be able to respond to that coach and realize the coach has our back. He's here every day. He knows what he's doing. And obviously one of the other things that's really good is if you can find some success. Because if you've got some success, then the athletes are going to trust what you're saying. A little bit more you know like if for sure you know if if you're a businessman and you had three companies go bankrupt the employees might be a little bit worried right <laughs> you know but if you if you've knocked it out of the park a few times then you know yeah. hey you know this guy might have something right and you know i'm going to yeah. follow this woman because she's had some success where she's been so you know and i think that was small stages of success when i first started coaching i took a team that was i'd say they're probably the worst team in the entire country right and up at york university they were a new team And I said, okay, well, we're not winning anything much here, but we got to figure out what we can do to succeed, you know? And uh, one of them was going into a dual meet against Western Ontario, putting our swimmers where we could do a little bit better and doing something that was quite outlandish at the time, having an athlete go two races back to back. But I mean, it was our best athlete, and that was the only way we were going to win. And we beat them by one point. It was a gigantic step forward for the program. You know, our Mm -hmm. program wasn't the big one at the end of the year because we weren't going to beat the big players from U of T or UBC or something. But the fact that we won an in-season competition was like, hey, and the athletes immediately, they're on side now, right? This coach does know what he's doing. We had a bit of success. We've tasted it. Now let's move forward, right? And and then maybe you attract better people, better employees. Yeah. My case it was attract better swimmers. And, yes. uh, and then it, boom, boom, all of a sudden, then the next year we went through the roof, we finished third in the country, right. Which was not bad from 30th, two years earlier. So, so that's a huge step.
1: Yeah.
0: And then yeah. I jumped, then I jumped from there to U of T because U of T was just had so much going for it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so I, had, exactly, exactly. I had to make, I had <laughs> to make the jump. I make, a, I tell a funny story that when I grew up, my big rival high school was a red and white colored school, right. From, uh, it was called Deerfield and I was at a school colors were blue. And then right. I went to university and Michigan, and it was blue. And, of course, the team they all hated, Michigan, is Ohio State, which is red. And then I came up here for my first job, and I was at York University. The colors are red. And they said, why did you move to Toronto? And I said, well, because they're blue, man. Blue's my color, right? So <laughs> I just couldn't coach a team that was red. So, anyway, tongue-in-cheek. But, uh, yeah, it was a great move. It's the best thing I ever did. But, but, Chris, here's a very interesting part, very interesting side story, is that I loved my team at York. Right. Right? And I think there has to be a bit of a, a buy-in by a leader that they're not doing this just for the money. They're not doing this just for accolades, you know, um, you know, I've been voting coach of the year that I've, I've actually lost track. I don't, I don't do it yes. for those accolades, right. I do no, it because yeah. I really enjoy it. And so I really love that team. Part of it may because it's my first team, but, yeah. but I love that team. And I was offered the job instead of, you know, it being mass opened for, for everybody. It was basically I was headhunted for that job, right, at the University of Toronto, and I actually turned it down the first time oh, wow. it was offered to me because I just I was so enamored and and just was so keen on on, on what we were building at York University, yeah. and yeah. Uh, so then after my second year, I was offered the job again, and and I I basically called my old coach, and said you know what what's the plan you know what what do you think here you right think? yeah and he says he says, well, you basically got to do is, is you're almost so attached to it right now. You can't see the forest for the trees and you yeah. got to see what down the road, what is going to allow you to grow your career and possibly have better alternatives and options and everything. And of course the university had a, an Olympic size pool, whereas the former yeah. university did not. Um, it didn't have an engineering faculty, the university of Toronto did. And at the time I was actually only coaching men. So a third of your team was going to be engineers, right? So right off the bat, it meant I couldn't recruit a third of the people out there to a team. So right. all of a sudden, it just kind of made me realize that, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm I'm very attached to this team and I love it, but I do have to make this move now, right? right. And So it was a very very difficult decision. I mean, I had to have a team meeting. And it was the worst team meeting I've ever had in my life to oh, so announce these guys I was moving. It. And and uh, anyway, that's a side story, right? But it just just yeah. that, you know you do. There are times when opportunities are going to come and you may need to take those. Yeah. If if it's a step in in your career, right? But but yeah. at the same time I was fully vested in a crappy program, right? Yeah. <laughs> that and that you turned able, around. I turned it around. Yeah. That's right. Without no guarantee we were going to do that by the way. No. Nope. I walked on the pool deck and did the first workout I went oh my god what am I what do we got here <laughs> right? So um but anyway, you know, it, it it was fun doing it. And I think if yeah. you look at it as fun, you know, I mean, yeah. maybe not near the end of your career, it wouldn't be as much fun if you had to do that. But certainly starting out, you got to start somewhere, man.
1: No kidding. No kidding. And so final, final question, uh, Byron, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind?
0: I like to say dynamic. Okay. All right. There aren't a lot of leaders that are wallflowers. Yeah. You know, I, I really just think you gotta have a little bit of a personality if you're a leader. I mean, some are a little bit over the top, like Elon Musk. Yes. Right. All right. You know, at, at Tesla. <laughs> but you know, arguably he's a leader. For sure. So uh, anyway, I do think you need to be dynamic. I need you need to be invested. All right. Yeah. I don't mean financially, uh, no. which I guess probably is important too, but, right? yeah. so, but I, I think you need to be invested. And basically, you got to know your stuff. Yeah. Doesn't matter how dynamic I am. Doesn't matter how, if I show up every day on the pool deck, if I'm telling these kids to do stuff, they're looking at me going, you don't know what the hell he's talking about. Yeah. Right. You better have your, you better have, know your business. You better know it inside and out because yeah. your employees are going to see right through that and go, this guy's just wasting our time. You know? So yeah. you yeah. need to know
1: your stuff. Well, it's, 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 it's funny, Byron, because I, I remember you, you know, you speak about, Dual meet strategies and and provincial strategies to win and things like that. And I remember, you know, again, just watching, not you know, and 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 I shouldn't say more than likely I would have asked you too. What were you thinking? What were you doing here? And I was just it 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 was seeing oh what a great plan. Okay, we put so and so to swim here, and then we could win this one here, and and we did this here. And it's and it coaching strategies like that make all the difference, and then give confidence to your team because it's like oh. We're, we're best use, utilizing our talent, and and so so for our leaders listening, those types of decisions are really really important as leaders. Yeah, be a
0: be a student
1: of the sport. I be a student yes. of business. Be, understand yeah. the nuances and what is going to work. So
0: I'm going to share with your viewers a very interesting little story about you, Chris. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. We okay. Had a, we had a we had a dual meet against the University of Minnesota. I think you probably remember this, but. And uh, for our viewers, the Americans swim in a 25-yard pool, and we in Canada swim in a 25-meter pool. So their entire life, these guys have been swimming 200 yards, which was the race that Chris specialized in. And 200 yards is only about 180 meters. Right. And so their entire life, they've been going 180 meters and stopping. Right. And so I went to Chris before the race, and I said, here's the deal, Chris. This guy could be a body length ahead of you. All right. Mm-hmm. When he comes off the seventh turn, the last turn with 25 meters to go. But off that turn, all of a sudden, he's going to hit 180 meters with 20 meters to go. And his body is going to seize up. Yeah. Like, there's a real <laughs> chance that he's going to have a problem. And even if yeah. he's a body length and a half ahead of you, he may barely make it to the end wall. And you can catch him because you're used to going the whole 200 meters, right? Now, there's no guarantee this was going to happen. But I of course, there was a chance. That you put it, might, it in your right? mind. Yeah. I, and And I've seen it. I've seen it before with a lot of American swimmers, right? I mean, they're very good swimmers, right? But no, of course, know, Michael Phelps didn't have a, ever have a problem at 180 meters, right? Yes. <laughs> you know? But but there are a lot of others that don't swim year around, yada da, right? Anyway, so so sure enough, you know, and this was the 200 freestyle is usually the third third meet of a, of a of a dual meet, right? So it's near the front of the meet, so it's not going to necessarily be the outcome at the end, but it's an important race nonetheless, right? And I still remember vividly right? the Minnesota guy was in lane three, you were in lane two. All right. And I watched him come off the last turn and he was way ahead of you. Right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right? But you put your head down and you just went and went and went. And the guy did start tightening up and having a bit of problems. And sure enough, at the wall, you out touched him by two tenths of a second. Right. <laughs> it was fantastic. It was amazing. Right. And, and I liked it because, of course, it played out.
1: Exactly. But
0: but the, but the big point was the, the subtle thing to this whole thing is that that meant one more point for you and one less point for him. Exactly. So, and we won the meet by one point. Oh, wow. So bingo, bango, right? You know, exactly. Like, and I guess the 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 story and that within that story is that little things can actually make a big difference.
1: Yes, okay? absolutely.
0: And that was a little thing, but it was also knowledge that this could happen, right?
1: Yeah.
0: I, I did the same thing to a, a girl at the uh, Pan Pax once, right? Telling her last 10 meters, this American's
1: gonna die, right? Gonna so, die, yeah. And it's also, there's no question as well. It's, it's being a fan of your, your swimmer, your, your a- athlete or your team member and, and having confidence in them. Hey, this can happen. This can win. This can make a difference yes. Right And preparing yes. people, right? It's preparing people for the future. Yeah. So, because there's a real good chance, like, you know, you know, for, for people uh, who haven't been to many swim meets, well, if you're a body length out on somebody, there's a real good chance you're going to check out how, how the heck, you know? Yeah. I never would have caught somebody a body length out in w- with one length out of eight to, to, to you know, in, in, in my past. Yeah. Yeah. It just wouldn't have happened. So, so, so that, that would have been an unusual thing and, and great preparation. Yeah, no, it worked out really
0: well that way. And that's, and, and I think that's what, what you're trying to say here, right. Is that you get, it's back to the old, you've got to have the knowledge and you got to have it, mm-hmm. but you gotta, you know, some coaches might just sort of say, go up there and rest. Yes. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You now you got X people, it's hard to talk to everybody, hard to know everybody, hard to know what you know, right? Hard to know yeah, exactly. what's going to, what's going to, what's going to get Chris a little bit more out of Chris in this race. What's going to get a little bit more out of Sally in her race, you know, and exactly. And so you got to be invested in your people to motivate them. You know, you can't motivate them if you don't really care. Right? <laughs> you yes. Yeah. It's pretty easy just to say. You know, here's the brush, go out and do the building, right? I mean, you know, but I mean, is that are there are you really gonna get what you want out of that? I don't think, right? You know? Uh, and I'm I could have I recruited enough good athletes and we've had enough good successes over the years that a bunch of people do come to the university that I could probably be way less that invested. Yeah. And we'd still do pretty well. Of course. But A, it's not my nature, and B, we wouldn't do as well as we are doing, right? Because I'm invested and I'm I'm getting these people out. am giving them things that are going to make them
1: better. Right. So, yeah. And life's just way more fun to play full out. Right. You know, it's, again, it doesn't, you know, it's just simple as, as it's just way more fun. I know. Yeah. You you know, it's like, there's a sign in the Boston Celtics uh, dressing room. It says the game is scheduled. We have to play. We might as well win. Like what, what a great thing, you know, Hey, we, I don't know how many more decades we have in this planet, Byron, but Hey, I'm going to go win them as best I can. Right. Just, you know, and again, not, not, not to beat other people, but just, just to go win. Right. You know, it's just like, Hey, that's fun. So
0: absolutely. I mean, I saw, I saw a video the other day
1: and it was about a coach saying,
0: yes, it's about working hard, but that's not really the goal. Yeah. Anybody can work hard. You got to compete. All right. And and you know, are you competing when you're working hard? Are you trying to get better and better? Are you pushing yourself? Or are you just lifting the weight because you're supposed to lift the weight and work hard? Right. And yeah. and so I mean, you know, in the in the business world, you're competing against a lot of other companies. So you're not just doing this, you're just you're trying to get better, you know. And yeah. so, you know, a lot of it's you know, it's all about competition,
1: really, right? When
0: it comes down to it.
1: For sure, for sure. Well, Byron, I, I so appreciate. I knew we'd have just an awesome conversation. I just so appreciate you. Yet uh, again, you're a mentor of mine. Uh, continued success. And uh, uh, look, look, looking forward, uh, hopefully we'll have an alumni event soon.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, just- As the viewers may not know, we have a big, huge dinner every four years, right, to celebrate. And everybody comes back for it. And, of course, it was supposed to be last fall, and we had to cancel it. and I've now had to cancel it this fall. Well, I've had to cancel it for this fall, right? So we're going to have it in the fall of 2022. So any uh, former teammates along with yourself, we'll see you in the fall of 2022. So, uh, But again, you Fantastic. know what, Chris, that's a little bit a part of of also engendering uh, full support down the road, right? Like, you know, yeah. you're looking forward to coming to a reunion, you know? And that's, you know, like, you know, may not have reunions at work and all that all the time, right? It yeah. might be a little bit different scenario. But it's, again, it's part of building up uh, buy-in by everybody, right? That, Hey, there's it a is. little bit more to this than just showing up and putting in my laps in the pool. All right. There's a bigger family here. There's a bigger group here. There's a bigger, uh, membership here. And there's a bigger reasoning behind what I'm doing, you know? So, uh, anyway, it all pays off. I think so. Hey, good, uh, good, good to chat with you, Chris. You are a great member on the team, a good team guy. No wonder you're in a, a team <laughs> environment. Team with your yeah, exactly. Very successful business. All right. Kudos on that. So, uh, and uh, good, uh Good job. Thanks very
1: much. You, bet you. Okay, thank you. You have an awesome day. Cheers, my thank friend. You. Bye-bye. All right. Hey leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further the development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply, and I can't wait to see you on the other side.